Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. All righty then, let's get to it. Today we're focusing on practical spirituality. Lights, camera, have your aha moment. And my first guest is my dear friend, Agapi Stasinopoulos, and I'm so grateful to have her back again. And we're talking today about her latest book, Wake Up to the Joy of You, 52 Meditations and Practices for a Calmer, Happier Life. Agapi Stasinopoulos is a best-selling author and speaker who inspires audiences around the world. In her previous book, Unbinding the Heart, a dose of Greek wisdom, generosity, and unconditional love, she shares the wisdom from her life's adventures and experiences. In her newest book, Wake Up to the Joy of You, she takes readers on a journey and inspires them to let go of what doesn't work and instead create the lives that they really want. Welcome, my beautiful friend. I'm giving you a big, huge Greek hug. <laughs> oh, and one back to you, my darling Lisa. It's so wonderful to hear your just your presence and your loving and the way you interact. As I was saying to you before we started this with people, I find it inspiring and unbelievably generous in your energy. I love you. Oh, and I love you. And I, you know what? I, you know how I know I love you that we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, and we spoke at an event. A couple yes. of months ago, and it, it it has if we had it was as if we had not missed a exactly. minute. Exactly, it was like it. This is so true about what my mother uh, used to call essential connections, and I think Lisa, where we all thrive is in these essential connections. And when we feel empty or deprived of those connections, we feel that life has no meaning. And we somehow have got it all, you know, twisted that we are so much about accomplishments and recognition, getting things done and finishing our, our to-do list and getting all our emails and 
being uh, you know on target in our work and we miss that in the day we must we must absolutely make a point to have a connection yeah the connection is everything at the end of the day that is the most valuable capital or possession that we can hold and and it is it's a very much you know part of my culture being that i'm greek uh you know the I was speaking to a Greek friend today because we're launching um, Thrive Global, which is, you know, is the company that my sister Ariana Huffington started, and I work with her intimately now on putting seminars around the globe to help people in their wellness and in being um, more productive by taking better care of themselves. And that's the principle. Like, how do you become um, more productive and knowing that if you get enough sleep, if you meditate, if you hydrate, if you move every day, if you have these moments of connection, you're going to feel like you want to do more. So I was telling um, Ariana how I find that we go to these offices now and I find that people are like uh, as if their life has got sucked out of them, you know. Yeah. And and why do you think that is? And that's where the joy comes in. And that's why I wrote this book. Finding and reconnecting with your joy is essential for your productivity. And it comes from powering down a bit. I find that the, yeah. the, the joy surge comes when I step back from the chaos of daily life, from, as you said, you know, the, the connectivity of the emails and the to-do list and uh, feeling as though I have to rush to com complete everything that, that is on the list. Um, and when I step back, and I think you probably share the same view, and take that breath, you know, like, <sighs> yes, the moment, the moment, the moment of pausing, the moment of reconnecting, the moment of um, moving into the perspective, you know. And I tell you, I tell you, and I want our listeners to get this because I get this question so much now when I speak and when I interact with people. How do we do that, okay? And how do we do? Because and I have a very practical tool, which is return to gratitude, and um, gratitude moves you. But you have to. It's a skill, you know. It's not like oh, like I'm grateful for my life. Okay, that's too generic. Can you be grateful for the chair you're sitting on, and to know that there are people who don't have chairs? Can you be grateful for the sweater you're wearing? Uh, we know that after the hurricane, everywhere, people had absolutely, a friend of mine said to me, he was he's six feet three, and he said, I couldn't find clothes. I ended up wearing blue jeans of a friend that were short up to my cuffs. And he said, I felt this incredibly successful businessman who, he said to me, I felt how third world countries people feel, that you were suddenly in the shelters. I just arrived um, at JFK on Delta, and I was there at Terminal 4. I don't know if you've heard the news. Terminal 4 was flooded. And there were 4,000 suitcases unattended. And I still have a, I got one suitcase back. I'm still waiting for the other one. People were crying, were yelling. And I turned to my friend that I made at, on the plane because we were both delayed and everything. And I said, you know, let's get into perspective. People are looking for the suitcases like we're looking for our missing kids. It's not our children. It's a suitcase, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, your things. Yeah. So where I, I focus on the gratitude is that 
it takes moments of reverence to to say, I, you and I know when you get sick or you suddenly, uh, you know, you say you hit your little finger or your little toe and you go, oh my God, my little toe. Well, I'm grateful for my little toe. I'm grateful for my uh, for my fingers. I'm grateful that I can see. I'm grateful that I have food to eat. I'm grateful that I can digest. I have this chapter in the book that's called um, Reverence, Gratitude, and Oh My God. And I describe <laughs> an experience of where I was brought down to my knees when the plane was canceled and I was bitching, you know, saying, oh, I can't believe this, it's a snowstorm. And something said, start being grateful. And a miracle happened because I was stuck in Salt Lake City and a friend of mine called me out of the blue uh, to say, I'm coming to Salt Lake City. I have a suite because I'm a speaker at the university. Go stay in my hotel. And wow. really <laughs> a minute of gratitude, the universe opened up and supported me and took care of me. And you have, I'm sure, thousands of examples in your life like that, don't you? I, I, I do because uh, I, I pay attention. And I, But I think this is part of what the, the message is, is that when we pay attention to what the universe is telling us or not telling us and paying attention to the very small things that we have surrounding us. What about our feet? This is what I love to tell people. When was the last time you thanked your feet? Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's so funny because for Christmas we gave uh, all our Thrive Global team uh, socks uh, for, uh, for Christmas gifts. These fabulous, big, warm, thick, uh, up to the knee they're called reading socks that a friend of ours did from Canada. And I, and I said, that's exactly what the message was. Be grateful for your feet. Be grateful that, um, you know, you can walk. And so why is it that we uh, get so much in our heads and we forget that in our very, in our very breath and in our very heartfelt moment, uh, we have the opportunities to expand, to love, to share, to be generous, to really ask someone, how are you, and put our arms around them and give them a hug. And it's in those moments of um, service and bringing our, our, our energy, basically, to someone else that our life expands. And I, I'm a big believer that if we start to practice that, um, we won't get so much into the worry of our lives because, you know, people are, these days, you know, Lisa, are worried, are worried about their children. They're worried about uh, the world, the state of the world, the, 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 the environment, so many things daily that are happening that are insecure. So my philosophy is get back to your connection with your, with your inner warrior, with your inner spirit, with your with your abundant joy that is part of your soul's energy and reconnect with that. Find the ways to be kind, to be compassionate and to be loving. When we speak about being in worry and as you were talking, I'm thinking, well, when I'm in worry and when I observe people in worry, we're completely out of the moment, which means that we are robbing ourselves of the potential of joy. You know, if we stick to the theme of the book, wake up to the joy of you and within you. Exactly. And what robs us of our joy? Um, and I think it's very important to address 
um, when we're not in joy. So that, for example, if if you're feeling sad or upset or concerned, or um, you are feeling, let's say, um, left out about something, or you're feeling inadequate, which is something that, you know, as human beings, we all experience, or you don't know something, instead of hiding it and and pretending you don't, somebody says, how are you? You say, well, you know, I'm feeling kind of sad today. I woke up, I had this dream. If you own it, it doesn't own you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I want I want to give our listeners your contact information because you have a very beautiful way of engaging with the public. I want to give the the standard communication pathways which are the website wakeuptothejoyofyou.com. On Twitter, you can find my friend Agapi at Agapi says, on Facebook at Agapi Stasinopoulos, and on Instagram at Agapi sees. So says on Twitter and sees on Instagram. Agapi Take it from here, because I, I want you to say it in your own words, darling. Yes, my darling. Well, my dear friends who are listening here with our, our, my darling Lisa and Agapi, if you want to connect with me and if you want to have my 68 tips to uh, Agapi's happiness, please email me, agapi, A-G-A-P-I, at unbindingtheheart.com, unbindingtheheart.com, agapi at unbindingtheheart.com. Or, of course, through my website, and I will send you the list. And I will also let you know when I'm speaking live in your city. And you can come, and we can have a love fest. And all my events finish up with a hug. Everybody hugs each other, and I hug a lot of people. I believe that that's the way of sharing the true love. Well, you are, are, are like another beautiful spirit who uh, also, her name begins with the letter A, right? Ama, who, who hugs everybody. So yes. <laughs> you're the, the Greek hugger. The Greek hugger, exactly. <laughs> Here come the tunes, we'll be right back. And that is a promise. Wait, wait, wait. Before we take that break, I want to talk about creativity and how making things can make you a happier and healthier person. Today's sponsor, Craftsy, is the digital destination devoted entirely to makers. More than 13 million enthusiasts from artists to quilters and beyond make Craftsy their home for binge-worthy on-demand content and access to the world's top experts and curated supplies, all served up in a fun-loving creative community. This year, resolve to live a more creative life. Sign up for your seven-day free trial at craftsy.com slash happiness. Once again, it's seven days of free craftsy at craftsy.com slash happiness. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. 
one thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, Welcome and emotional back to stability. Talk Radio. If you're are just we happy us yet? Now, I am so delighted that we have a life is available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Fifty-two meditations and practices for a calmer, happier life. And if you've just joined us, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. And the vitalness of connection to our happiness. Talk about some tips. Give our listeners some ways that you recommend in your inimitable, loving fashion of how to get into joy. How to get into joy is, first of all, uh, even right now that we are talking, because Lisa and I are very much about living in the moment, I just ask you this question. What makes you uh, joyful? What what triggers your joy? Uh, and for me, it can be uh, music. I mean, music completely. Bruno Mars, this amazing song, I love you just the way you are. You are amazing. You know that song, Lisa? Yes. Yes, yes. I do. Time. I mean, oh, there are many songs, Philip Phillips, Home. I mean, there's a list of songs where when I listen to them, I cannot not feel joyful. Moving. If you're dancing, it's very hard to feel depressed. <laughs> it's so true. Dancing is, is one of my favorites. Dancing with all your heart, you know, whether it is Greek dancing or it is salsa dancing or tango dancing. So make a list and say, and make it a priority and say, I will do those things because joy doesn't come automatically for most of us. Believe me, I write about these things, I teach these things, and I have to practice to stay out of my head, into my heart, and into my joy. For me, connection. Like, there's no way I can be sitting with Lisa and not feel joyful. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way about you. And I think having, like... a true eye contact with somebody. This is a little tiny intervention, right? When you really, when you lock eyes with somebody and you have this understanding, like, I see you. I see I you. Just, I see you. Bring your energy alive to the supermarket, to the bank, whatever you do, because we do so many things online now, we miss, when you look at people, your children, your husband, your lover, your ex-husband, <laughs> Whoever it is you are with, your, your, the, your children's teachers, your friends, your neighbors, just bring your energy alive. You know, I started acting, so it's a lot about projecting. Life is a lot about projecting. Um, if you say to someone, how are you? And your energy is down, say, how are you, sweetheart? You look great. Just bringing your energy alive, it awakens you. You know, Lisa, I have a belief that we must all have a joy buddy. And my sister and I talk a lot about that, and my nieces. A joy buddy is somebody that keeps you accountable to bring your joy. And you report to them. You know, you say, I did three things today that brought me joy. And I'm going to do a call to action right here with Lisa at Harvesting Happiness. I want you all today to have three things that you do that bring you joy, and then write them down and say, today... This is what brought me joy. This is what I did for my joy. 
and keep a calendar, a little journal next to your bed. Every night, record three things. And then in the morning, ask yourself, what would I do today? And be creative, be spontaneous about it. This is not something you, you it's a, it's a to-do list. It's more a heartfelt thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, and there's something else as you're talking, once again, that comes to mind is so often we expect that life is supposed to give to us. And what happens if we turn the tables and ask ourselves, what will we give to life today? What will we proactively, what will we invest in our lives? I mean, that is, that is the key to happiness, Lisa. You said it right there. That is the key to happiness. And, uh, and, and because we have this fear, you know, of missing out and we, we operate in luck and we compare ourselves and we think, well, so-and-so has so much more of this person, which is a complete uh, self-sabotage, actually. I say comparing yourself is an addiction to losing. I totally agree with that. And I said, get down there in your unconscious and say, why am I so committed to losing? And stop comparing yourself. If you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to someone who has nothing. You know, and there are many people who have nothing. And I have this affirmation I'm going to read for everybody. And it's in my book. I don't remember the page. I think it's page 124 or 142. I don't remember. But uh, it is by a Sufi master called Imam al-Shafi. And it says, my heart is at ease, knowing that what was meant for me will never miss me. Mm. And that what misses me was never meant for me for me. And I'm going to do it one more time. My heart is at ease knowing that what was meant for me will never miss me. And that what misses me was never meant for me. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, and I, I posted this many times in my um, social media because I feel all of us suffer from this thing uh, that sabotages are beautiful, brilliant, amazing human beings that we are, all of us. You know, I mean, we're all made out of stardust, 37.2 trillion cells. This is the life that is making us right now. And we must be reverent. We must be grateful. And we don't have to go to the Himalayas or to, a, to Tibet or to the, um, the monasteries to, to feel the reverence. You can feel the reverence in New York City in the middle of the crowded airports. You know, you can actually practice the reverence of your humanity every day. I love what you just said. Practice the reverence of your humanity every day. And yeah. that's the challenge, right? That is the challenge that awakens joy. If we're able to do that, we live in joy because it's already there. It's, it's, exactly. it's, it's not a very spirits then a shine, you know, and they feel, as you said, uh, we start to feel, um, what am I here to contribute? And, and you know, most people, why the unhappiness is just a narcissistic uh, loop. <laughs> we, get, we think about ourselves, what about me, what about me, what about me, what about me? I said, it's not about you, darling. <laughs> right? I, I think that that's the biggest about, awakening. People say to me, how can you be so free when you speak? You know, because I speak, you know, to thousands of people and I, and I, and I don't have a self-consciousness. I just say it as it is. I said, because when I get up there to speak, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about giving what I have to you. Yeah. And then, then you're free. 
because you have become unconditional. And anybody who's read my book, Unbinding the Heart, and in this book too, I write about how I had a moment in my life that life taught me to be unconditional. You know, when I wasn't getting the acting parts and the acting career, and I went to a New York City bus and I performed for one woman just like that, and she cried. And she said to me, go do your own thing, sweetheart, because you are talented. I never, you got this, she said to me, don't wait for anyone to hire you. And I saw this um, great quote at the airport, Lisa, by Wall Street Journal, he says, uh, all good things come to those who don't wait. <laughs> right, action. Come out to don't wait. So I said, don't wait for anyone to give you permission to give your life. Don't wait for the guy to propose to you or the woman to say, I love you. Just say, honey, I love you. I want to get married. I want to have kids. And if the kid says, I'm not ready, say, okay, I'll go find somebody who's ready now. You know, don't oh. wait. We don't have time to wait. Lin-Manuel Miranda said, I embody the principles of Alexander Hamilton. His musical Hamilton is about Alexander Hamilton. And he said, when asked, how can you be so creative and such a genius and so giving of you? He said, I don't wait for anything. I, I live life as if this is the day and that tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. Yeah. And therein lies the joy once again. You know, if, if, if you live life in this fashion, you realize that there's no space for the unhappiness. Yes, and you know, and if you are unhappy, again, name it. I'm unhappy because um, I'm not creative in my work. I feel I'm dull. We know people become dull. They, they, and if you're dull, that's okay. Don't judge it. Do not judge it. Just own it and say, I'm dull. And then the question is, how can you undull yourself? How can you, do you remember <laughs> a time that you were not dull? And you go, yes, remember when I was 19, I had this adventure. Okay, let's go back there and grab that feeling and re recreate it now in your life and break through the comfort zone. We get dull because we get into a routine of being comfortable. Change things around, change things around. And, you know, I think it's important for us to mention that we are not um, trying to minimize when bad things happen. I think it's responsible to mention this, that when someone is going through um, a challenge or some very, very oh, difficult life not. transition, we're not minimizing. Not this is all. not what... Not at all. I yeah. mean, I think, I, but I think what we're finding out is that the human spirit is so resilient and that as we face it and as we bring our heart into every situation, as we, as we bring our, as we, you see, suffering comes because we close down our hearts, Lisa. This is it. Suffering comes because we sat down and we judge our experience and our condition. And we judge ourselves. I do it all the time. I, I, I know my judgments. But learning to counteract that and to bring the leverage with the part that says, sweetheart, I forgive myself for judging myself for the conditions of my life. And your energy expands. Yeah. It, it, instead of contracting, you, we have daily the, uh, to uh, call ourselves forward to our expansion. That's why we have shows like yours and we have um, you know, podcasts now and, and books and apps and everything to remind people let us expand into the spirit and the joy of who we are. When I was writing this book, 
I was given this information um, through my high self, through my God-given self. And I sat down and I felt it was coming through me to tell people, I have gone through all these experiences and I have a responsibility to share the wisdom that is in my heart. And that's what gave me the confidence is that, Lisa, everything I write about, every single thing I have gone through, the disappointments, the uh, dealing with um, being stuck, the finances, the guy not wanting to, to get married, the not, you know, rele releasing my childhood. Yeah. You've been there, been there, done that. Agapi, we are out of time, and I'm hoping you can read one small portion from, from the book, Wake Up to the Joy of You. Maybe the This Is Your Precious Life, maybe the beautiful passage. I'm reading right now, and I wanted to encourage our, our beautiful listeners, if they love audio, I have 32 guided meditations with my voice and specially recorded music. So I... I um, encourage you to also download the audio and to keep this book by your bedside and open it in any chapter you want. This is not a linear book. It's like the I Ching. Yeah. <laughs> open it and find a solution to any problem. This is your precious life. Feast on the food you love. Make your home a sanctuary. Bring your heart to your workplace every day. Love the clothes you're wearing. Create relationships where you feel cherished. Bake cookies for people. Don't wait for special occasions to celebrate your life. Do things that remind you of the beauty of life often and daily. And oh. say to yourself every day, this is my precious life. This life was given to me. In this precious life, I can choose for myself to live it. Whatever way I want to live, I don't need to prove my worth to anyone. I choose to do things that make me happy, that uplift me, that, that means something to me. This life was given to me to live, to enjoy, to learn, to love, to share, to receive, and to give. Celebrate your fullness, sing your song, give it your deepest gratitude. This is your precious life. I love you, enjoy every moment, and see you very soon somewhere on this little planet of ours. God bless you. Oh, and bless you. God bless you, Agapi. To learn more, please visit wakeuptothejoyofyou.com, on Twitter at Agapi Says, and on Facebook, Agapi Stasinopoulos, and on Instagram, Agapi Sees. The book we're talking about today is Wake Up to the Joy of You, 52 Meditations and Practices for a Calmer, Happier Life. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, 
The glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about practical spirituality, how to apply a sense of holiness to your daily life. And my next guest is Ken Baker. We're talking with Ken Baker about his new book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood. Ken Baker is an award-winning author and journalist currently serving as senior correspondent for E! News and E! Online. His memoir, Man Made, a memoir of my body, was released as a major motion picture titled The Late Bloomer. Welcome, Ken. You've got a smile on my face and you've done nothing. So we're off to a good start. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. Me too. <laughs> so let's talk about your book. You've got some 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 commandments here, and I'm going to read the first one because it, <laughs> it too is putting a huge smile on my face. Thou shalt have no false idols before the Kardashians. <laughs> Isn't that, aren't those words to live by, wouldn't you say? <laughs> it's like every person. Um, obviously that's very tongue in cheek, but yeah, that's one of the uh, 20 commandments that, uh, I, I share with readers in the Ken commandments, my search for God in Hollywood. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's my, in other words, that's my Kardashians chapter. And, 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 and there it's, it's tongue in cheek, but there is sort of a seriousness that underlies this, that you, your, your spiritual journey started in a Las Vegas hotel. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, don't all spiritual pilgrimages start in Sin City? Uh, at, isn't that the way it should be? No, nah, I am kidding. Um, I what what ended up happening for me was uh, I'd been a journalist in Hollywood, starting off at People Magazine, then Us Weekly, making my way over to uh, E Entertainment Television about ten years ago, and uh, I'd been in the business for 20 years at this point, and uh, oftentimes I'm the breaking news guy. So something happens, oftentimes a tragedy, uh, but not always, and E will send me to that place and report on it and try to figure out what's going on because people, our audience, will have this intense interest in it. And this particular story that brought me to Vegas was uh, Lamar Odom. Uh, Lamar Odom, as you recall, had been married to Khloe Kardashian, their marriage broke up, he subsequently uh, had left the NBA, was struggling uh, with a lot of personal demons, and somehow this all led him to a brothel with drugs and girls and a coma, and uh, he was on his deathbed, literally on his deathbed at a hospital in Las Vegas, and I got sent out there. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I was talking to some family members who were in the hospital at the time, and uh, they're giving me updates or a lot of crazy rumors as there tend to be in situations like this. And uh, I was out there by myself. I was in my hotel room and I was talking to a family member 
And they're giving me the updates, of course, saying you know, he's unconscious, he's in a coma, um, you know, they're worried that he has brain damage, uh, he overdosed, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, because no one really talks these days, I mean, we're talking, but people like to text. <laughs> That's what I've found out. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a lot of sources, it's all texting and, and whatnot. But uh, so I texted her and I said, is there anything that I can do? And I was thinking, you know, I could bring sandwiches over. <laughs> I could bring my Starbucks run. I was literally right down the street from the hospital. Uh, and I've known them for years, the whole Kardashian-Jenner clan. And so, uh, yeah, I thought it was just a nice gesture. Uh, and she said, this, this Kardashian's family member said, oh, just pray for Lamar. And it really hit me. I, Because I, I like Lamar. I, I had known Lamar for many years, had interviewed him several times, been around him in social settings. Uh, I definitely was upset and saddened by all this and certainly, you know, didn't want to see him die. I mean, Lamar Odom, for all his faults, uh, he's a very likable guy. And, uh, and so it really stopped me, that prayer request, because it forced me to realize that, oh, my gosh, I can't remember the last time I prayed. I can't remember the last time I even talked to whatever my version of God was when I last believed in God. I can't remember last time I formally sat down and even meditated um, and dove within myself. And it really struck me that I felt helpless and I felt spiritually bereft. And it really bugged me. And it really forced me to realize, like, ah, this is at the core of my general unhappiness, my general state of anxiety all the time, of hyperstimulation, of distraction, of not feeling settled or centered, uh, not feeling as though I'm connected to that soul part of me, that elusive part that really is who we really are. Uh, I've been so caught up in writing books and chasing celebrities and being on television every day and and being a dad and, and you know running home after work and just running around trying to provide for everybody and I somehow really lost sense of myself to the point where I can't even remember the last time I prayed. So I said to this person who was in the hospital, my source, I said, I will. I will pray for Lamar. So I you know, sat down. I said a prayer. I tell this in the book. Um, and I prayed. And I was overcome with this real deep sense of sadness because I think I realized that, wow, I am really unhappy and I have every reason on the outside, on paper, like one of our younger correspondents had said to me, so I'm kind of the old guy around here at E! News. <laughs> and, uh, all right, and, all right, sec. How old is old? Like, like 32? <laughs> I'm, I'm in my, I'm in my uh, late 40s. And uh, this is like I was in my mid-40s at this point. So uh, this was a couple years ago. And, um, and you know, some, you know, this girl said, oh, you, on paper, you have it all. And yeah. I realized I did. But, you know, paper doesn't make a soul you know it's a, that's a very two-dimensional concept and you know we're we're m much more than two dimensions um and so it really began for me a journey to discover and define my own spirituality that i could put into practice every day and that's the story and the journey that i tell in my book the ken commandments it's a, just an account of me essentially doing the spiritual equivalent of when we lose our keys 
you always ask yourself, when was the last, where was the last place I remember having them, right? You never like search for your keys someplace you don't remember being. You're like, where was I? And then you look for your keys. Usually it's in my house. I don't know about you. I'm all over my house looking for my keys. Well, the last time I remembered being spiritual and, and praying and, and somehow, you know, I used to study Buddhism in the 90s was when I first moved out to California from the East Coast and started being a magazine journalist. I, I did have a sense of spirituality and I lost it somewhere along the way in this Hollywood madness. And so I became absolutely committed to rediscovering and finding my spiritual self in the place I lost it, which just happened to be Hollywood. Let's touch a, a moment on meditation and, and spiritual mm -hmm. practice, because in your book, you talk about your experience with the guru who wears Prada. <laughs> yes. And we don't have a lot of time before the break. So like we could make tease people and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, indeed, I actually, I, when my spiritual journey started, I wanted to be very open-minded to the point where uh, I'd been raised Catholic, um, had a lot of experience with Christianity, had done a little bit of meditation, but never in any real formal way. Um, I wanted to be really open, though. I thought this was a great opportunity in my life to try everything. And uh, I ended up in just my travels around Hollywood finding out, God, a lot of people are meditating and uh, learned some different practices, and we can get into it. But it ultimately led me down to the Chopra Center in uh, Carlsbad, California, where I learned firsthand from uh, Deepak Chopra, a really special, uh, impactful form of mantra-based meditation. And that is, has made a profound impact on my life. So this guru does indeed wear Prada and I'm sure a whole host of other designer gear, but at the heart of the matter and the heart of what you learn there is an ancient science the ancient science of wellness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the really remarkable, enriching aspects to my spiritual journey to write this book was I, I really had to check in with my biases, uh, whether they're cultural or experiential or just completely manufactured biases <laughs> that I had about uh, different religious and spiritual practices and, and the purveyors of them and, and the people who promote them oftentimes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, one thing was, I always looked at Deepak Chopra as kind of uh, more of a celebrity than, than an actual guru of sorts. And, and I never really, this felt like he was a media figure. And because I work in the world of celebrity and I have for so long, I, I think I have just a, maybe a baseline sense of a little bit of doubt that I cast on people and their motivations. Hold, hold that thought about doubt. Let's jump off to the break and come back because I think this is really important for people to hear about doubt and, and, and the good fun things we can do with it. To learn more about Ken Baker, please visit his website, kenbakernow.com. On Twitter, you can connect with him at Ken Baker Now. And on Facebook, that page is Ken Baker Now. And the book we're speaking of, is the Ken Commandments, my search for God in Hollywood. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappyatharvestinghappiness.com. 
We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, it's free, it's legal, and we are exploring spirituality with Ken Baker. We're talking about his new book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood. So Ken, prior to the break, you were talking about doubt heading down to the Chopra Center in Carlsbad, California for some spiritual enlightenment and your views of Deepak Chopra as a, as a, as a media figure, maybe not so much really as having the goods. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of um, just the trepidation, I guess, because in the world of celebrity that I cover, I mean, I'm always sort of seeing the dark side of celebrity and uh, the money motivation and all those things. And, and Deepak Chopra has been very successful. I mean, he's had numerous best-selling books. He's been on television for as long as I can remember. Um, he's become Oprah's uh, partner in crime, so to speak. And they have their meditation series and he's did countless appearances on her show. And, um, so not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It was just the bias that I brought. But when I decided that I was going to start from a clean slate and try everything and have an open mind and open heart, that meant that I had to drop a lot of those um, prejudices that I had against, uh, you know, pop culture, celebrity type guru people. And, uh, um, and, you know, my biases ran deep, including the fact that I wanted nothing to do with Scientology because of everything I'd read and been around all these years, but I went and did it because I was like, I got to go try it myself. And that's also cool <laughs> in the book. Um, and no, I'm not a Scientologist today. I will tell you that. Um, but uh, nevertheless, um, I decided that if I'm going to do the Deepak Chopra thing, which a lot of celebrities do, uh, and I, I wanted to you know, really adhere to my attempt to find, search for God the God space, as it were, in uh, in the Hollywood uh, universe, that I would do um, go down to Deepak, who's you know counseled many many celebrities over the years, and 
he had just talked to Kim Kardashian, and he, of course, had this relationship with Oprah. He'd been Michael Jackson's mentor. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's definitely a guy I wanted to talk to. So I spent a week down at a retreat there. And uh, I'd been doing some meditation on uh, this, uh, a few apps. I'd really started to get into this Headspace app. Uh, which is you know this Vipassana style insight meditation taught by Andy Puttacombe, this former Zen Buddhist monk, and that was you know I thought that was great, but it was all just sort of on the app, and um, I had tried some other different things that I picked up from people and some research, so I really wanted to give this a shot, and I went down to Carlsbad, and I, I'd never been on a retreat. I've always detested sort of these group retreat things. Like, I guess I just feel self-conscious and I don't know, it's just not my thing. And um, maybe it's a guy thing. And so, uh, so I went down there and it was a very transformative seven days for me. I, I learned Deepak's, uh, it's essentially a form of transcendental meditation called primordial sound meditation. And essentially you know, it has, you know, its roots in, you know, Hindu and, um, and, and frankly, a, a lot of, you know, Buddhist kind of um, inspiration as well. It's, uh, you receive in a mantra uh, granting ceremony, your personal mantra, which is based on the vibration sounds of the universe at the time you were born, uh, which was really fascinating and special. And, uh, you know, even then I wasn't quite sure I believed in that, but I was like, okay, cool. So I got my three word mantra and I'm going through the whole thing. And, uh, those early first few, uh, sessions led by Deepak in this group setting of about two or 300 other people in a big ballroom, uh, were essentially me really realizing the more I tried to settle my mind and to, uh, you know, calm myself and to focus myself um, in a way that would take all the distractions out of my head, I realized just how distracted I was, how stressed out I was, how much anxiety I had and worry. And uh, it was really remarkable because by the end of that week of, of learning this primordial sound mantra meditation and doing it twice a day for at least 30 to 40 minutes, each session, uh, I felt a, tro a profound transformation in my energy, a profound uh, transformation in my outlook. Um, and I guess the metaphor would be if it was, you know, mostly cloudy with an 80% chance of thunderstorms, it was mostly sunny and the, and the, <laughs> and the weather report <laughs> was looking, was looking up. So it really was profound. And, um, you know, and at the time, I'd been taking uh, anti-anxiety medication. I'd been taking Xanax, and I just felt so stressed out all the time. And uh, from that point when I did it to now, you know, I now it's a daily practice where I do my primordial sound meditation that I learned from Deepak, and I couldn't be a, a, a more enthusiastic evangelizer for our evangelist <laughs> i guess uh for this particular form of meditation but you know any meditation really um that gets you to settle your mind find the what deepak calls the gap you know in between the thoughts in between the busyness that space in which you can really connect to your soul and if you're connecting to your soul i mean you're really connecting to the universe connecting to whatever that concept is of of God or whatever it may be. And that's the meditation part of my journey. But 
you know, there's a lot of other parts too. I mean, I've rediscovered a lot of other things uh, as well, but meditation has been a great impact in my life. Well, it, it's interesting because the book strikes me as this journey that takes you from really the the dark night of somebody else's life, you know, that was the catalyst for you to embark on this heroic journey of of rediscovering or reconnecting with a spiritual life. And you know, you you start out talking about um, the relationship with the Kardashians and and in being in a hotel in Las Vegas, and then moving through to various young people within Hollywood who do have a very connected and deep spiritual practice, and the impact that this has had on you. And I'm I'm thinking of people such as Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez who are attracted to um, a pastor there, Pastor Judah Smith. And then also another pastor, um, once again, attached to the Kardashians. They seem to be your spiritual guidepost, Ken. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, some brilliant person with uh, Penguin Random House who's uh, uh, publishing the Ken Commandments <laughs> wrote in some marketing copy. The first line was, do the Kardashians really believe in God? Um, you know, it, I've just known them for so long and, uh, it's uh, really interesting that, you know, what I found when I probed deep and I, you know, dedicated myself for at least a year, but this turned into an ongoing lifelong journey. But I did, I dedicated myself to really everyone I ran into who I had a relationship or any meaningful conversations with, I'd ask them, you know, like, hey, are you spiritual? Are you religious? What's your practice? And what I found out was I had known the Kardashians for over 10, 12 years. Uh, covered them, interviewed them, were both uh, colleagues, uh, on-air personalities at the E! Network. Um, and I realized that I didn't know that Chris Jenner, the matriarch, goes to church every Sunday. And not only that, that she had helped found a church, a non-denominational independent Christian church in uh, the northern reaches of Los Angeles. Uh, near her house up uh, north of Calabasas, and and it was fascinating. I thought, well, I gotta check this out. So um, Chris uh, was gracious enough to connect me with her pastor, this guy Brad Johnson, great guy who's been through a little bit of scandal and and tragedy in his life. Was caught up in a huge scandal at a previous church that Chris was a member of, and was essentially forced to resign and shame and. Uh, and she found him years later as a barista at a Starbucks, her former pastor, and said, you need to be back in church leading. And, uh, and he had been trying to for a while. And then that's essentially the start of his, you know, Phoenix like rise back. And uh, so he's a guy who's, who's been there and, and lived and had a lot of trauma and dealt with a lot of things. And um, I went up to the church uh, for you know many months, and uh, actually one day was uh, was there on Easter, and I uh, was sitting in the front row. And yes, the Kardashians' church does have a VIP section, of course. <laughs> uh, so there is <laughs> there is no velvet rope, but uh, nonetheless, they do like to sit in the front. <clears throat> and um, you're closer to God that way, right? Is that the theory? I, th I think so. Well, you're at least close, closer to past Pastor Brad, and uh, he's pretty he's pretty entertaining, charismatic guy. So it's fun to be near him. But uh, um, you know, and I ended up, uh, you know, my journey had begun months months before, like the previous year, 
in that Las Vegas hotel room on my knees praying for Lamar Odom. And on that following Easter, in walks Lamar Odom into that church. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the guy who I prayed would find uh, health and and uh, would be get a second chance in life, was getting that second chance in life, was healthy, walked in. Was, <laughs> the effects of a coma were not even seen at all. And, uh, you know, some might interpret that as a walking miracle. I don't know what I thought, and I still don't know what I think, um, but I just know that it definitely changed me, the experience. And there was Lamar, and I came and had a few words with him. But overall, like going to church with the Kardashians and, and also going to Bible study uh, in Beverly Hills with on Wednesday nights with Pastor Judah Smith, who has a, a following, like you mentioned, with Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. And I'd been there on one occasion with Gwen Stefani. And, and, and what I realized is that for all the flack <laughs> that uh, celebrities get and Hollywood gets for being superficial and narcissistic and and materialistic and consumed with all the things that are pretty much the antithesis of of spirituality um that there was a heck of a lot of of uh, spiritual uh, uh activity happening and people were seeking and and really being you know humble uh in their pursuit to find peace and find god in their own way and well, uh, if, I could, if I could see that happening with the Kardashians, I mean, who are probably <laughs> the epitome of, uh, of, you know, the materialistic celebrity culture, then, you know, that really showed a lot to me. And uh, it, was, it was a fascinating experience. We are out of time. And I want to send our listeners over to The Ken Commandments, your book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood. And clearly, um, God is hanging out there. Uh, a lot of people are, are looking for him. To learn more, please visit KenBakerNow.com. On Twitter, you can connect with Ken at KenBakerNow. And on Facebook, that page is Ken Baker Now. Ken Baker, you have been a delight and have put a huge smile on my face. Thank you for coming on and writing this book. Thank you. It was a real joy. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen and my guest today, Agapi Stasinopoulos and Ken Baker, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Tokinet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. 
Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.